Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. And following a huge 5% sell-off of the stock market on Friday, and after watching Warren Buffett on TV on Sunday, well, I was in bed at the time, I must admit, let's test out the idea that there might be a big leg down again for the stock market. To do that, we'll catch up with Julia Lee from Vermin Invest, and then we'll toss the big question around with Charlie Aitken of Aitken Investment Management and Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And then I'm going to catch up with the CEO of McPherson Limited, Laurie McAllister. This is an extraordinary company doing very well, seems to be beating the the stock market negativity of the coronavirus. And then we listen to the CEO of a company that Julia Lee really likes called EML. We talked to the CEO of that company, Tom Cregan. This is a really interesting show with some real opportunities. And I think we do get to the heart of the matter of whether there is going to be a big leg down for the stock market. So without any further ado, let's catch up with Julia Lee. Well, we always kick off the program with Julia Lee from Berman Invest, and we want to see what she's seeing now. I must ask you this question. Did you set the alarm for 6.45 and watch Warren Buffett on Sunday morning, Julia? <laughs> oh, I, I was resting, but I did read up on what he was saying. And, you know, he's one of the legends of the market. And it was really interesting, uh, especially what he said around the cash balances and also how it had moved from year to year. So taking a view that the longer the expansion, the more cash he would be holding. So um, a legend of the market and mm. I guess all cashed up now. Do you, do you think he was alluding to the fact that he thinks there's going to be another leg down? Or do you think, he often says, I don't know where the market's going to go one day, you know, two I weeks. think one of the measures that he likes to use is earnings growth versus GDP. And if you have a look at that measure for the US stock market, that's one of the highest valuations that you've ever seen in that area. So he is very much a fundamental value type of guy. Um, and I guess if you have a look at, at um, crises like this, in the past, they don't resolve in a year. Um, they usually do take a little bit longer. The global financial crisis, we peaked in November 2007 and didn't bottom out till March 2009 and even the tech wreck over in the US that blew up in 2000 and the market really didn't bottom until 2003. Mm, yeah all right so that's that's the Buffett um, part for you. Um, what about the sell-off on Friday what did you think of that? Well, Friday was a special day. It was May Day, which means a lot of markets around the world were actually closed. So it did look like the US was going to have a negative session. We did see US futures down. And if investors wanted to position before that US session uh, opened, Australia was one of the few places where they could take risk off the table. And I think that's exactly what we saw. We saw those losses accelerate and actually close at the lows. We were down 5% on Friday. And then in the US, we saw the market down 2.8%. So given that the US stock market didn't fare as badly as the Australian market, we probably saw some of those positions being reversed today. And instead, we saw strength today rather than weakness. So a lot of the pain, we actually foresaw those losses on the US stock market and then really normalized in trading today. Now, you and I talk a lot, so I could be getting this wrong. But have you, have you started to show some interest in local banks because of what they've been doing lately? Well, I think the banks had been under a bit of a cloud that we could see capital raisings coming through. Now, we did see a capital raising come through for NAB, but it looks like Westpac won't be raising funds. They have deferred their dividend, and we have seen first-half cash profit plummeting by about 70%, but Westpac's still in a pretty good capital position. So the fact that capital raisings do seem to be off the table means that some of that discount because of the anticipation of a discounted capital raising mm. is coming out of share price. So in the short term, it looks like the banks are going to have a bit of a breather and then the rest of it really depends on what this recovery looks like. If we start to see recovery in the fourth quarter of this year and continue to see recovery, I think that would be a great scenario for the banks. If we do see a longer dragged out recovery throughout mm. 2021, then the bank recovery in share prices will also be prolonged. Mm. My, my recollection of whenever banks cut dividends or reduce dividends or whatever, when things start getting better, they often 
overcompensate and give some nice dividend surprises. Is that the kind of thing you'd expect if the economic comeback towards the end of this year is bigger and better than expected? Look, we have seen a deferral in dividends, so it doesn't mean that these dividends aren't going to be paid. It means that the decision is being deferred into the yep. future. When the banks get a better idea of what's happening, it was fascinating seeing a Westpac's result today um, and just the amount of support that they're offering to their customers, especially in the mortgage area. It came to, I think it was $39 billion worth of uh, loan balances being deferred. And that made up about 9% of the total in mortgage loans. So it's a huge amount that's coming through. Mm. A lot of this provisioning hasn't happened yet. So look, if the provisioning that they've put aside is less than anticipated, well, then we're going to have positive payback in future uh, periods. I guess if the, if the big four banks don't do what Me Bank or ME Bank did in terms of rifling people's um, withdrawals, uh, 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 redrawal facilities, uh, they might come out of this with a much improved reputation, Julia. And I think that's the key. Uh, the banks in past crises, you know, the way they've managed uh, their client base has either made customers for life or turned uh, customers against particular brands for life. So this support package is as much about trying to retain a loyal customer base in the midst of some structural changes happening in the industry where we are seeing digital transformation and technology moving at a much faster pace. But I mean, bank prices where they're at the moment, they do look fairly attractive and they the bounce looks like it's got a little bit more legs to go. The more medium term story, though, does depend on recovery and how much we see in terms of unemployment, because that's really going to affect mortgages. Last year, I know you're a great fan of a company called EML, and I've interviewed the CEO uh, for later in the program. What, what do you think of EML at this point in time, Julia? I really like this company. I know there's going to be more short-term pain ahead because it does have a big exposure to that retail space. Email is some uh, company that does prepaid cards. Um, it looks at gift cards uh, that are used in shopping and for retail. It also looks at, I guess, uh, casino winnings when you top up cards like that um, and gaming. And also they, they just made an acquisition over in Europe, which I think is, is quite an exciting one because it means that they'll be able to offer financial services and white label financial services for a lot of fintechs. And look, Look, they've managed to buy that at a reduced price because of what's happening with market volatility and COVID-19. So, look, I'm very positive on this business two to three years out. I think that Christmas sales this year could be a, a pretty poor period for a lot of retailers, and that's undoubtedly going to reflect on EML as well. Okay, so is there a company that you like right now? You're, you're sitting at home basically doing nothing? Huh. Uh, but yeah, I know you, you troll, looking, troll the markets looking for companies that you like. Is there a company right now that's um, sticking out for you? There's plenty of companies that I like, um, Pete. I just I don't know if they're all at the right prices. Um, I guess having a, a look at some of the companies that have been doing well that I'm happy to add to at the moment, Evolution Mining is one of them. Uh, it's been doing quite well, but look, with an all-in sustaining cost for the full year of below 1,000 Australian and an ounce and gold prices being above 1,000, it's probably going to pay uh, about a 3% dividend yield. So, you know, finding dividends in unlikely places is probably going to be the theme of 2020 yeah. for income investors and gold certainly is one area where earnings growth is uh is happening and happening quite strongly so we're likely to see stocks like that the other area that's interesting but probably where i'm holding off a bit because i think we'll see more capital raisings in the property space are the shopping centres, which aren't necessarily the huge shopping malls, but the smaller neighbourhood shopping centres, which are anchored by supermarkets. So Chattel Hall Retail just recently did a capital raising. Um, anchor clients like Coles, Woolworths, Audis, they make up about 50% of income. And then if we have a look across the rest of their portfolio, liquor um, and food make up another 12%. 
and then medical and pharmacies makes up another 7%. So about 70% of the income that they get from their portfolio is actually quite defensive and 87% of their portfolio is still trading. Um, and of course, that will ramp up as those lockdowns um, come out. I guess the areas that are under pressure are bricks and mortar apparel, and that makes up about 5% of chattel or retail's portfolio. And then the other area is services, which makes up about 7%. So look, I think that's an interesting one given the discount that the market's applying to all shopping centres at this space. Mm. I don't think all shopping centres are created equally and I think some of those neighbourhood ones which are anchored by supermarkets, look, they're looking like good value at the moment. Great stuff, Julia. As always, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. Well, here we are again. Uh, we're still in lockdown mode and socially distanced as always. But we've all been affected by you know, the fact that the market really got clobbered on Friday, down 5%. And then along comes Buffett on the weekend. He's kind of, well, I don't know whether, whether he's made as positive or negative. Let's just see what my expert buddies think. Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report and Charlie Aiken from Aiken Investment Management. Charlie, has Buffett made you positive or negative on the market? Oh, neither. I thought he was very sensible as usual. I thought most of his anecdotes and his advice were, were sensible. You know, he is you know, considered a sage for those reasons. Look, I, as I said last week, recently bought some Berkshire Hathaway shares. He's very well positioned. Mm. I think he's pragmatic too. He sold out of airlines because he saw a structural change. I think that was pragmatic. But to read into that too much is, is going a bit too far. His airline holdings were $4 billion in value. His Apple holding is $55 billion. Mm. His market cap is $440 billion of Berkshire Hathaway. So... So it's a small percentage. It's a very small percentage, the airline thing. A small mistake he made, but he's sitting on $137 billion of cash. And one of the reasons I like him and his shares is what he will do with that cash over the next year or so. He will find a deal to do, or many deals to do. But I think he was just slightly beaten to the punch by the Fed's quick action in March. So it was all heading his way to deploy that capital, but the Fed moved very, very quickly and yeah. markets rebounded. But I thought, I thought, as per usual with Buffett, it was very sensible stuff. Look, I think it's probably more uh, bullish than bearish, Pete. Um, I mean, again, I agree with Charlie, pretty sensible stuff. I mean, good, a good ring, um, big on sort of America and the strength of America. And don't yeah. fight America. Yeah, I think bet on the USA. Bet on the USA. And uh, look, I mean, uh, still saying that, um, you know, I can't tell where the market's going to be tomorrow mm. or in two years' time, but I know in five years' time, in yeah. 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, it's going to be higher. Mm. And so a good... Um, you know, reminder to all the long-term investors out there that uh, Buffett's still ready and, and still backing that. Mm. So the, farcical, think... the farcical thing is that these investments are mark-to-market, so they report a $50 billion loss. Mm. I mean, it's not like crystallised loss. That's mm. the new accounting standard in America. Mm. His operating income for his businesses was actually up 6% mm. for the quarter, which, mm. which was quite a you know, very good yeah. effort considering it involves a train business, an insurance business, multiple energy businesses, and, and obviously financial yeah. holders. I, I think coming back to our market, Peter, look, don't read too much into Friday. Friday was you about... explain Friday. Well, there, there, there are a number of... There's a four fact, fact, of the factors, big crash. factors at work at Friday and, and today. I mean, first of all, Friday was the start of a month and, and followed two fairly you know, innocuous, quite deep uh, rises on low volume on two days before. So it's almost like the market got pushed up in Australia on the Wednesday, the Thursday for a bit of end of month, uh, I won't say window dressing, but a bit of... Um, well, wouldn't yeah. you say window dressing? Well, probably a bit of window dressing. Well, it was a coincidence. It went up the last day right? of the month. Yeah. <laughs> Friday was the first day of the month, right? A day when short positions get reset. It also followed a weak lead from the US and we had, uh, after the bell on Thursday night in the US, we had both um, Amazon and, uh, and, and, uh, and Apple. Yeah, reported a bit disappointingly. So, you know, expectation the US was going to be down. And then it just built on itself, Peter. At the end of the month, I was start, sorry, start of the month, I think it was just one of those weak Friday afternoons that a lot of investors have pulled okay. out of. And so they were expecting worse from Wall Street. We got a small fall on Wall Street, 2 or 3%. Came in this morning. I don't think it's a surprise the market's up today. Okay, well, both you and I thought the market would yeah. be up today. Uh, after a fairly weak start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, the, but the part of the reason why I thought that was, well, Wall Street didn't carry on and drop 5% like we did. Charlie, do you think sometimes when we see the Dow futures down, yeah. that instantly has negativity I would, I to would, our market? I would give any advice to anyone. If you, never, ever look at US futures in the Asian time zone. Yeah. I think they're totally irrelevant. Yeah. They may prove... But, but, they, but they do... They, they, they do. They yeah. have an influence yeah, in yeah, the region yeah. because people look at them and think they mean something. Yeah. 
I mean, there so many times in my career, US futures have been up or down, and that indicates the opening of Wall Street, mm. not where it closes. Yeah. So it's probably going to be right-ish to where it opens, but mm. not where it closes. So I think they're a very bad indicator of what, what is actually yeah. going to happen on the night. I think they're best ignored, but the region doesn't ignore them. Mm. So I think, like, you know, to me, you know, US futures are down today, but, but Australia's up. Okay. So who knows? Let me, let me give you another Buffett interpretation by a young fund manager who will remain nameless. But when he saw the Buffett thing, he thought this was a sign that Buffett expects another leg down because he's cashed up and he hasn't bought anything already. Now, I, I have my own view on that. What do you think, Chad? Do you think no, he's waiting for another uh, big uh, leg down? And he may, look, we all think there could be another leggish down. Like, there could be. I mean, who mm. knows what happens in the next three or six months? And having a bit of firepower, like we've said in the mm. Switzer report, is fine to have a bit of cash to deploy. Whether it's capital raisings or a market pullback, you're ready to deploy. I think yeah. that's sensible. But when you're in Buffett's League, to turn the dial at Berkshire Hathaway, you need to deploy 20, 30, 40 billion in a hit you know, in a deal. Yeah. And that deal will come to him. Mm. He's not going to just put 137 billion straight into the share market on a, on a day. So he's waiting for deals that are on his terms. So I don't interpret it either way, other than he made a call on airlines, which is probably right, actually, mm. yeah. in terms of exiting those. Structurally, for two years. But the cash thing I don't read anyway, other than I, I do understand that some people would say that, oh, he's obviously bearish because he hasn't deployed the cash, but I don't think that's correct. Mm. Paul? Yeah, I, look, I didn't take it that way, Peter. I mean, I think the tone was still pretty upbeat. Mm -hmm. I, and I would just interpret it as being, well, look, he's got some cash. He, has, he, he, wants to, he hasn't found the right thing. Right. It was like he was saying, we don't really know what we want to invest yeah. in. And, I, I, and as, as he keeps saying, it's not really about price for him. It's about the quality of the business. And uh, so I, and I the think good companies are actually, a lot of them are higher in price now well, than they were before well, the Well, if you think about the tech side of things, like one reason the NASDAQ market is pretty close to unchanged on the year, is the earnings reports from Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, Netflix, Atlassian, the Australian one, and Spotify even, were all excellent. And these are the companies yeah. that he might want to buy, yeah, but the, they the, are... The, the, they were excellent. And most at an all-time high. Yeah. You know, Amazon is give or take, you know, after a two-day movement, pretty close to an all-time high. Apple's within $30 of an all-time. Like, most of the very dominant tech stocks are, are very much closer to their highs than any, any recent Okay, life. let's talk banks locally now. Like, so Westpac has said, no dividend for you. Uh, well, and, it, and it, it, it's, it's deferred the dividend, which Good probably point. means no dividend. But uh, let's, just, let's just give the uh, Gonski and the new guy at um, who... Um, King. Peter King, he's a he's yeah, a and, and, and and he's very active activist chairman. A bit of benefit of mm -hmm. doubt, and 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 take it uh, and McFarlane, yeah. and take it on face value and say, look, we've the dividends deferred, and they're going to look at it again in a couple of months' time. Yeah. So it could come back on the agenda. Look, I, I guess it was always safest for Westpac to defer it. And if you actually look at the earnings, um, it, using any measure today after the, after their write off, it was less than thirty cents a share. So there wasn't much potentially to pay out to shareholders. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if this a lot of this is based on the worst case scenario yeah. from from the well. It's based rights. it's based on their and their scenarios. I mean, each of the major banks has done multiple scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. And assigned a probability weighting to a whole lot of forecasts, ranging from the you know key variables being what's the unemployment rate, how much a home loan price is going to drop, and how much does GDP drop, all right? And 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 the timing of such, and whether it's a, a V shape or an L shape or a U shape, they've I got lots. There's also the view shape as well. Okay. You're going yeah. to the U. They've got lots. They've not just one model. They have lots of scenarios, and they put a probability weighting across those scenarios. So yeah. they have the base case, which has got a 50% probability, whatever it is, and they have an extreme case, which might have a 10% probability, and a less less bearish case, which has a 20%. And that's what it's based on. I reckon and, and, and they'll change those forecasts mm. and they'll change those weightings, Peter. So oh, this is just... And a, they could change it's, their it's, dividend? It's, absolutely. It's, it's a number... It's, it's really sort of sticking out your hand up and saying, what could it be, yeah, right? Okay. It's, it's but like, I think that you've got to, you do have to put in context that they're the ultimate insider. They know exactly what is happening with loan defaults, non-repayments, mortgages not being serviced right now. Mm. And that what they can see right now, which we all know is horrific, is a good enough reason to defer the dividend. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's the future, but they, they know, it, and the board is, I think the boards of ANZ and made the, uh, Westpac made the right decisions. Mm. Don't give some people some paltry dividend, preserve the balance sheet, keep the capital, let's see how this plays out. And it's the right... You sound like a bank no, director. No, right, you sound like a bank director. No, 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 I think it's actually the right decision. <laughs> but the, the bit for me... They would I, say that too. And I think eventually they will pay that deferred yeah, dividend in some form. Yeah. Now, you might get a better full year dividend or whatever it is, mm. okay? But for me, the biggest 
issue with this is actually people who rely on income not getting it. Yeah. So for retail stocks and discretionary stocks in Australia, I think it's a problem yeah. in terms of those bank dividends make up a lot of you know retirement saving income. And that's and why they that, should that's be, the bigger problem for and me. And that's why they should be diversified in their dividend harvesting. And yeah. that's why the Switzerland Dividend Growth Fund was a very good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know... Dividend, nice plug, by the way. Yeah, good, good, yeah, good, good segue. Very, very That's true. Uh, That's the why, um, why we created them. And, uh, you know, dividend yields this year, mm. we're going to look at, at twos to threes on average yeah, across the market yeah. now that uh, they've had deferral. That also IAG out today mm. saying it probably wouldn't pay its final dividend in September. So there's a lot of... Mm. There are a lot of companies yeah. either putting it off or deferring it. You know, fortunately, the resources companies are going to save us on the dividends. Well, right? until <laughs> we get into this big fight yeah. with China. We've got to be very careful here. That's right. Very careful here with China. Yeah. And uh, I don't disagree, Charlie, uh, Charlie but th th they're probably going to save us. But Because yeah, um, you, you might be called, called Chinese Charlie. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just reading the, the inverted commas tea leaves. Yeah. This is really escalating. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the biggest thing we've got to worry about in markets is is probably USA versus China again. Yeah. The blame game, the onshoring. Well, well, that know. was the other reason for Friday's yeah. sell-off, a little bit of talk around that. But yeah. uh, should, look, should we go long vale then? No, no, no. <laughs> I just think we need to be aware that there's going to be a big blame game about this COVID-19 virus. Yeah. And we're in an election year in America, and we're going to be pushing for onshoring of American manufacturing. And, you know, there's going to be some, you know, some slightly okay. tougher stuff here, I reckon. Okay, that's all the highbrow stuff. Our <laughs> viewers like a stock. You mentioned Spotlight, uh, Spotlight, uh, um, Spotify. Yeah. Have you been interested in Spotify, Charlie? Maybe no, I don't think the music stream. Look, it had a good result the other day because everyone's sitting at home downloading yeah. everything. But and I think I the music stream. Call that actually tipped yeah. at yeah. the songs conference. Yeah, I think the music streaming business is a bit different to the sort of video streaming yeah. business yeah. because at the end of the day, the music labels actually make most of the money, not the distribution company as such. Yeah. But look, it's interesting. All those stay-at-home players are done brilliantly, right? Spotify, Netflix, Amazon, it's obvious. Mm. But I mean, the stuff I'm more interested in is like, what do we, what is actually going to change permanently after this? Yeah. And it will be a little bit more working from home or remote, you know, remote uh, contact with your peer group, probably a little bit less travel to go to conferences and things like that. Mm. You can do it on Zoom. So, I mean, Spotify fits into that. I, I don't own Spotify. We own Netflix and Amazon and things, which are a bit obvious. But I, I'm trying to work out what the world looks like in six to 12 months from now, because some of the changes we're seeing in our lives now will be somewhat permanent, yeah. or to a degree permanent. Well, might, at least yeah. for two or three years. Yeah, anyway. just a little, be a little bit different. So Mean reversion. We might become travelers once again. But look, for a I mean, we all want to travel, yeah. but it's going to take a bit of time. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not going to be travelling much. Paul? Look, I've been on the sidelines, Peter. I, I'm, I'm with Charlie. I, th I think there's a lot of. I think there's going to be some quite deep structural changes here, um, in terms of uh, industries. One of the things I'm not bullish about, Peter, is travel. I really caution on this travel stuff. I won't go webjet or flight centre. I won't go webjet or flight centre. I think there's going to be some real changes in this stuff, right? And. Uh, you know, until we see international travel open up, I think you've got to be extremely careful in any of the travel stocks. I don't think they've seen all the pain, right? Yeah. I don't think this is a quick recovery in those type of, in, no. around international travel, right? I my, think, my view is in two uh, years, the, the prices we see today of Flight Centre and Webjet will be a lot better than they what, are what, what we need to be careful of is that a, lo a lot of the equity market, including <laughs> some of US equities, has just got this V-shaped recovery yeah. sort of priced in. Yeah. And as much as I'm an optimist and a capitalist, I don't think that's likely. It's going to be more, it's going to take time, this. It'll, it'll work, but it's going to take time. So I think in every cyclical industry that's been disrupted by this, you've got a bit of time, mm. you know, and you can pick and choose your way through it. And actually, this quarter might be the worst. This is the quarter it's getting, yeah. you know, it's, no, one's it's no one's doing anything. Yeah, I mean, right. even coming in here, like, there's just no one anywhere. Yeah. So I just, and it's going to take time for people to get their confidence right. back. So just take... Uh, to, to wrap up... If you were investing in Australia, and you're a, you're yeah. a, a foreign investor, um, Webjet and Flight Centre on a two-year profile, do you reckon that it'd be a reasonable? Oh, I investment? haven't done enough work on that. Does it tempt me in? Well, professionally, no, 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 you, can't, you can't just you you know, pull it out of the sky. You can. Webjet, you pull it out of the sky. Yeah, sure. I keep saying, you, I want to buy travel, I'd buy Qantas, right? Yeah. Stick stick to the pure... No, after Buffett. No, but that's... There's... There can be different factors at work that can preserve yeah. domestic yeah. travel. You know, mm. prices will go through the roof properly because it's going to be they're going to have changed everything. There's a whole lot of different places, but I think some of the the resellers, the distributors of stuff that mm. rely on those people going on that's a volume fares, on volume game. That's actually yeah, right. I think yeah. that's the ones that could get disrupted. Right? If you but, if you like travel, I'm not saying Qantas mm. is a buy. But if you like travel, go for the. And the other side of that, the other side of that, as I've said 15 times here. 
if there is a price for Sydney Airport. Mm. You know, that's something that, you know, mate, it's not going to recover dramatically, but there will be a price for that one as well. But, you know, Pete, we're, let's just put this in context. We're two months into this disaster, yeah. Yeah. not two years. Yeah. And for us to sit here and me to sit here unequivocally tell you what comes next is just not right. I think we've just got to work our way through it. Charlie Aiken, Aiken Investment Management and Paul Ricard from Switzer Report. Thanks for joining us. Well, my next guest is Laurie McAllister, who is the CEO of McPherson's Limited. And Laurie's company has actually done pretty well over the last 12 months in particular. And despite the fact that uh, he certainly copped it like every other company did, the bounce back has been terrific. So let's find out what McPherson's doing and what's their competitive advantage such that it's been able to beat the coronavirus. Laurie, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, thank you, Peter. I think it's been an interesting time. I mean, um, for us, um, we were, we, we, we've been through this kind of very strange period, as you know, it's a 160 year old company and we've been in mining and all kinds of different types of businesses. And um, now we're very focused on health, wellness and beauty and that seems to be paying out for us. So, so we're kind of relatively low cost products within Maltics, which is the greener range and grocery. We've got the, um, the pharmacy range and, and things seem to be playing out for us. So we're we actually had a very good first half, incredibly strong January, an average February, incredibly strong March, and then a pretty good April as well. So uh, people seem to be, um, be, be, be very engaged in our health, wellness and beauty products uh, we have at the moment. Okay, so, so Laurie, you, know, you, you touched on the past, who was it who decided to get out of the, the old world and get into this new world of wellness and beauty? Oh, mate, that's a toughie you ask me because I look like I've got an S in my chest if I say it was me. Mm. Um, but, it, but, it, but it was a combination of the board really thinking about being focused on where the money was. And we know we've got a very capable grocery business and a very capable pharmacy business. So... Um, I, I inherited a very good team um, and then I built um, a couple of extra people to come into the team to help us refine that strategy in health, wellness and beauty. I brought some people that I worked with before at the Coca-Cola company and with Sanofi, but I was very, very lucky to, to, to inherit, you know, a great board and a great team of people in the, in the SLT. Okay, so... I, you know, uh, we're going to put the chart up of the, the stock price, which does show that you're heading really well. Then you cop the, the, the a kick in the guts like most companies did, but it's a nice a nice rebound. Tell us what. Well, I guess I should ask you: Did, did you have anything that was um, going to benefit from the fact that people needed things like sanitizers and things like that? Yeah, no, that's a really good question, Peter. I think first of all, before I get to the sanitizers, obviously that's going very well for us is I think that that business that I've been considering offloading and being very public about, so there's no selective disclosure there, um, in baking and cooking and Maltics, it's the number one brand, Maltics, with, um, with, 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 with cooking and freezer bags and, 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 um, and garbage bags, etc. Obviously, people staying at home, you know, like most people, their kids and their husbands and wives are having lunches at, work and whatnot, not during the day. Now they're all kind of in this zone. So that whole Maltics business has been going incredibly well for us. And then obviously Chemist Warehouse, who's a great customer, came to us and asked us to do a venture on a hand sanitizer business, which we've done. And that'll deliver about an extra nine and a half million dollars. We're also doing hand sanitizers and whatnot through our other products like Akin and Maltics and Swispers. We've obviously had uh, sanitizing products and Swispers already, and we've obviously had body wash already in Akin. So our portfolio has been quite nicely set up for this unfortunate situation. I'm just kind of keen for the company to be relatively humble in how we handle it because mm. we've got a very, very, very healthy balance sheet and the business is going very well. As you know, I just came out with an update to the market um, last week. Um, and um, to, to just revise our guidance at plus 10% on PBT. So we just need to 
take one day at a time because it's it's very uncertain ahead of us. I'm mm. a bit worried about the future in many ways because you don't know how much of it has been buying up and how much of it's sustainable. So it's a difficult difficult one, Peter. Yeah, most definitely. L Laurie, what is what is the, the most important product to revenue nowadays? So we have, um, a, we did a joint venture in November with a company called ABM, a Chinese joint venture. And that was a business that in 2017 did $300,000. In 2018, did $3 million. In 2019, it did $16 million. And we'll do somewhere between 32 to $36 million this year. So that's been a, a, a product in skincare. It's the number one cosmeceutical brand called Dr. Lewin's. And um, that's going incredibly well for us. And we also bought into um, an, a manufacturing company called the Aware Group. We bought 10% of them. And uh, they've been incredibly diligent. Um, and from a disclosure perspective, one of our directors is on the board um, of our company. He's also the chairman of that company. So through the ASX rules, we've had to be very cautious as to how we do that. But um, it's um, going incredibly well for us at the moment. And we're just gearing up for, literally before this call, I was gearing up for a call about 6-6, um, which is a big event um, in China. Mm. So, so going forward then, we, we all have the uncertainty of, what the economic rebound will look like, how much of normalcy will we return to you know, as the year progresses. What is the, I guess, the, the big positive out there for you? And on the flip side, what's your greatest concern? I think, you know, the big positive for me is, is obviously our, our, our current staple base of, of, of Manicare Lady just swoop. so we're number one in six categories and they're in pharmacy and grocery and you know it's about how many sets of tweezers peter do you have in your drawer probably about 20 of them but whenever you want them you can never find them mm. so you go out and buy another three dollars set so they're not big expenses things like that multics baking i think people are going to be more homely in how they look at life i think people are definitely going to have this obsession with hygiene which is great for swispers etc um, I just look at my, my, my wife and my daughter as far as they're, what they're doing with their hairs, etc. You know, all those kind of things that we have in Lady Jane, etc. So as a new reset, I think things will dissipate. So that's good news. And then obviously our China business um, and Dr. Lewin's is going very well. Our skincare business domestically is growing 40 odd percent and obviously over 100 um, percent in China. Um, so that's the kind of good news. Um, the things that worry me is the FX. So I'm, I'm quite exposed to foreign exchange. Uh, I buy about um, uh, 50 odd million US dollars of foreign exchange from China. So I'm relatively, exchange, uh, relatively exposed there. Um, I think obviously you're obviously exposed to what happens in grocery with, um, with, with private label and whatnot. So they're the kind of things that keep me awake at the moment mm. but and all in all the, the, the portfolio looks pretty balanced and given we've got such a great balance sheet we're, we're kind of, kind of we're very much in acquisition mode which is um i always say to people i should have green lips because i'm kissing so many frogs <laughs> not quite got there yet peter okay well, one last related question which way do you want the dollar to go <laughs> that's now that is a good question. It all depends on the commodities. So, right. so because you know the relationship between commodity and foreign exchange mm. uh, has has a very, very, very similar um, situation. So, so for us, for the moment, with crude oil, where it is, and and where the dollar, Aussie dollar, is, um, and where the relationships are with China, um, it, it's it's a bit of a, a mixed one. So, I'll, I'll pause on that one. My father-in-law always told me. Never bet an FX, um, but the, the commodities piece you can see a little bit out and you know you're going to get it at one point because it does take three to four months to rally into your supply chain. But yeah. the foreign exchange, as we know, the Aussie dollar through the years falls very hard, but it has a consistency over the last 60 years to climb um, day by day. So so that's, that's, that's some of the facts. Mm. But how can you look at, you know, that crystal ball? Um, 
Some of the other things, Peter, I think you might be interested in is we, we're not letting one person go from our team. Um, we're committed to keeping all of our staff. Um, we're focused on retaining our staff. We're actually employing an extra six people. We've got this um, concept called um, rapid response team, which is all about people and safety, where we've offered people um, $25 a month on you know, laptops, Wi-Fi, telephones, each of those, um, uh, screens, uh, chairs. Um, we've offered them an ability to spend $100 on learning a new instrument, uh, on learning a new language, on health and wellness, such as, you know, things as such like meditation. We've offered them $200 to set up a new gym. Um, you know, lots of different things that we're doing through that rapid response team, uh, which is obviously costing us money, but it's letting people know that we are investing in them and we care for them. Um, mm. And then we're doing another one called Think Beyond, which is all about our sanitization business with Chemist Warehouse, with Akin, with Maltics, with Woolworths, with Coles, um, with um, Swispers, which is all about building a different portfolio which is more revised towards the issues and the hygiene considerations we will have I think for the next five years. I think they'll dissipate but I think they'll be top of mind. We've also offered our customers mm. 30 days extra credit terms especially our independents to help out the small guys who are doing it tough. Excellent stuff mate. Well good luck and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Well, you know, the coronavirus has hurt a lot of companies and a lot of up-and-coming companies really copped it during that time when shareholders just so, were so scared they just dumped stocks. Now, one company that had a really good um, 2019 was EML Payments. I'm talking to the CEO, Tom Cregan. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Look, a lot of people wouldn't know what you guys do, so explain to us what EML Payments is, uh, is its main fear. Yep, yep. No, so we're a, we're a financial uh, technology company. We're a payments platform that uh, various corporates and governments use for uh, for various programs. It could be gift cards or it could be distribution of welfare. It could be uh, you know financial services. We, we deal with companies across multiple industry segments and uh, uh, and kind of power the power the payments within those within those businesses. So okay. I think today we've probably got maybe 3,000 programs around the world, something like that. Okay. So in a sense, you're a, you're a behind-the-scenes business, but could you give us an idea of maybe one product that lots of Australians would know where you guys are effectively powering the, the activity? Yeah, pro probably uh, in, in salary packaging, I think, which which a lot of Australians would, uh, would know. So in, uh, you know, we are a, a B2B provider, you're right, and providing services to the likes of Macmillan Shakespeare, Smart Group, you know, other uh, listed providers in that space. And what we do is provide the card, provide a, a card or a payment service to uh, the doctors and nurses and not-for-profit workers that enable them to spend their their packaged money, their tax-free, uh, uh, you know, portion of their salary. Mm. On, on items that we restrict so that it complies with the tax laws. Mm. So they're free to use that uh, you know, for meals and entertainment and living expenses and so forth, but if they tried to access that money through an ATM, that would be rejected. Mm. If they tried to access that money for international travel back in the day, that would be rejected. So we manage that service, and we've got about 240,000 accounts you know, in the market now uh, servicing Macmillan's and Smart Group and others. And I guess it also improves the accounting of all this, which is very time-consuming and costly if you're looking at each individual, how long they spent in a state and what they spent on that sort of stuff. The card, in a sense, I, I guess simplifies it and, and creates a lot of efficiencies. It does. I mean, particularly for, for our customers who are the to other providers, uh, the salary packaging providers, there's, there's a lot of back-end uh, efficiencies because in the past, people would have used personal money uh, you know, to, 
them and then they would have sent that receipt in to the provider. And that would have had to be tabulated behind the scenes. It was, it was pretty uh, manual, whereas, whereas now the, uh, the software is doing 100% of that. So it's, it's managing individuals' access to funds. It's managing where they're spending it. It's managing all the reporting manages all the all the uh, makes the tax uh, you know part of that you know m- mm. much simpler um, and so we launched that in 2016 2017 and uh, recently uh, recently complete, completed a launch with um, the New South Wales Ministry of Health uh, for all of their various health departments and uh, uh, and uh, recently signed a contract with the ACT uh, health department as well so that, that's that's one that I think you know quite a few Australians would be familiar with, given mm. given the, quite a few access uh, you know salary packaging benefits. Uh, so, when the coronavirus hit, when when you looked at the potential slug to your business, albeit you know short term, um, what 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 were you thinking? How, how was the business going to be negatively affected in the short run? Oh, in, in the immediate sense, uh, uh, about 55, 60% of our business comes from uh, gift cards that are sold in real estate, uh, in property, uh, sorry, sorry in, in shopping malls that are owned by, you know, by, by real estate trusts and so forth. And that in the month of March and, and April just uh, substantively closed because of, uh, you know, social distancing and, 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 uh, and forced closures. So, that percentage of our revenue went from, uh, you know, from a, from a pretty strong position to effectively nil, uh, you know, on, on March 10 onwards, mm. which, um, you know, which is a pretty dramatic, a pretty, you know, very dramatic hit. Um, we had concluded an acquisition in uh, in the UK um, with an Irish business that operates in the UK and Ireland, which we concluded on March 31, uh, which uh, is a pretty sizable business in its in its own right. So. We knew that we knew the impact would be short uh, and pretty painful uh, on the on the mall side, but we also knew that we had a, a, a you know pretty good asset coming into the business, uh, which it did on, on March 31. So we, we we felt like it'd be doom and gloom there for for 90 days, but then we'd uh, we'd be able to trade out of that uh, you know reasonably well. Yeah, and the, and the market has responded positively. You know, I guess since March 23, when the market responded uh, positively. Just about everywhere. Looking down, yep. looking down the pipeline, Tom. Uh, some people are saying, "Well, you know, and I, look, I don't agree with them." But you know, a lot, as you know, everyone becomes a social expert. Like we're all experts on viruses now. We're all experts on what people are going to do in the future. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed that even Warren Buffett said yesterday that you know he's dumped airlines because people aren't going to travel like the way they used to be. But he, of course, made the reference that he was dying to travel. He hasn't, he hasn't traveled for seven weeks. So we never we, we, we make guesses. Some people imply that people won't go to shopping centres as much as they used to in the, in the past. Are you factoring that in and saying, well, we'll be looking for growth in other areas other than shopping centres? Or do you think that, that there's exaggerations around the changes that will happen to us? No, I think they're, they're reasonable, to be, to be honest. I think, uh, uh, you know, I think they do recover, and, and, uh, but I think that recovery might be, you know, too... Two and a half years uh, away. Um, I think that you know what 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 they were you know in some in some countries uh, malls are a strong part of the of the business so uh, of the of the of the kind of social culture. So uh, you know the Nordics remained open. Uh, funnily enough, uh, you know the Germany, UK, you know, Italy. You know, these are you know these are pretty large you know large markets for us. Um, the you know I think there's, there'll be a shift to online that comes out of this isolation mode that I think is is, is pretty hard to hard to dispute. Um, I think when malls reopen, which you know effective effective today uh, in Texas and other states in the US they're opening, but uh, still with social distancing, you've got question marks over the over the viability of merchants within those malls. I mean only. Depending on whether it's URW or uh, or others, there's only twenty or thirty percent paying their rent. So, um, how viable are some of the merchants within the malls? Mm. I've read articles about uh, delays to uh, supply chain uh, channels and the, the merchandise that's in the stores. 
So I, I, I think they do recover, but I think that part of our business probably takes two to two and a half years to, to recover. Yep. Um, you know, the, you know, but we've, we've always had a view of, uh, of wanting to keep um, you know, a very diversified business that isn't too exposed to one, you know, to one vertical, but yep. uh, but arguably that one got got too big for us at about uh, at about fifty five percent. So uh, you know, as that comes down and we focus on other on other verticals, then uh, you know that that may take, as I said, two two and a half years to get back to where it was. But um, you know, plenty of other things will uh, will fill the void. Yeah, and, and is there is there a, a vertical as you call it for online that you can get some equivalent inverted commas card we, in an online way yeah we do we do support those but the um, and normally they would normally they would be you know a part of the a part of the revenue mix but uh, but given the properties are you know are closed uh, yeah they, they weren't even selling them because you know they, they'd be selling gift cards without the ability to let someone redeem them so mm. as they as they come back as the malls start to reopen again um, they will they will be selling them online, but um, uh, but then I think it just comes down to traffic and and also I think I mean I'm I'm sounding I'm sounding negative because I think I think they you know, our shareholders should think of it as a two and a bit year recovery for that segment, but uh, you know recessionary impacts have got to be significant. I mean uh, uh, the the rest of our business things like salary packaging that I talked about before is not a is not a discretionary item that that's part of somebody's salary that's being used on everyday items on food and and, and, and entertainment and living expenses the in Europe and in Australia the the digital banks that we're partnering with um, I mean banking is not discretionary that's that's people using that as their prime as their primary bank account and so part of our business is non-discretionary but part of it that is is the malls and I think that if you've got you know 30, 40 million people unemployed in the in the US, and you've got you've got uh, you've just got to think that there's a recessionary impact on on consumer disposable income and and on discretionary spend, which is which is a gift card. Okay, so, so what's I think that that, you know? Yeah, sorry, Tom, for interrupting. But what then? No, no, you, sorry, you're right. Yeah. You go. No, sorry. Yeah, so, well, so so therefore, you know, what is going to be the the the, the blue sky? That you guys are going to pitch towards, you know, you've accepted that, you know, there's a recession effect. There's going to be a shop shopping center effect, and and you've said you know you you're well positioned with the other parts of your business. But you know the the Irish acquisition is this going to be something that's going to be a, a bit of a a fillip to the organisation? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean the, the the logic behind it's funny how things like COVID, uh, you know, get. It just hit you uh, unexpectedly, but the the purpose of that acquisition was to continue to to broaden the the tech platform and broaden the customer profile. Uh, you know, forty two percent of their revenue was uh, welfare or government payments related. So uh, the UN, for example, is one of their customers. UK government is one of their customers. That part of the business probably goes up now as a result of of COVID, just given more government spending and uh, and more uh, subsistence and welfare payments to kind of vulnerable individuals. Forty, another forty-two percent of their business was was digital banking, so the use of uh, using that technology for uh, someone to use as an alternative to their to their primary bank account, which I think is a you know is a long-term driver and will, will out, outlast any any COVID you know impact. So only a small part of their business is, uh, you know, is COVID impacted. But the strategy was to broaden, was to buy them back in November uh, when we announced it, and to broaden the broaden the tech and the and the customer base. And I think that would have been good ordinarily. And uh, with COVID, it becomes great because it just becomes the the need for that becomes more more urgent. Obviously, with malls now on a on a recovery path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know since since January, they they're not seeing any real drop off in uh, in sales activity uh, they're not seeing any real drop off in implementation uh, programs that are uh, that are in that, that are already in their system to do um, and outside of malls uh, neither is the old neither is, is the previous AML business so uh, you know I think since um, I would say since January probably across 
multiple different segments, whether it's consumer finance or, or fintech or digital banking or others. We've, we've probably signed 20, 20 customer contracts, I would think, in that, in that period of time mm. for programs that will launch and, and start to generate you know, revenues for us. So that was already the game plan, but it just becomes far more uh, urgent. You know, you've just got what would have been a, a you know, a, a plan to do that anyway just becomes concertina and becomes more urgent to, uh, you know, to, to get traction on it quicker. Tom, just as I was listening to you, my last question, it, it, it kind of reminded me that the, what you're talking about, the cards you're talking about, are in many ways like the old coupons that people had during World War Two and, and the Depression where government basically gave coupons that, could be redeemed at shops for particular staples. Is, is that a relevant kind of comparison? Oh, look, in, in some in some countries, it is. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, you know, the the Spanish government is is talking to us. Um, I mean, there's a. I will say with government, there's there's a lot of urgency on their on their side as well to you know, to think about how they're supporting you know their you know their economies and how they're supporting their you know their people, but. Um, yeah, whether it's the Spanish government, the UK government, I mean, there's a lot of uh, Italy. I mean, we're doing uh, uh, we're doing programs with governments. We're doing programs with uh, charitable organisations um, in the US, for example. We launched uh, one with United Way, which is a uniting church uh, charity, which uh, distributes money to people that they just consider vulnerable, so people in in need of you know emergency kind of assistance. Mm. It's it's totally uh, uh, mobile driven. So the you know if you're getting you know a thousand dollars for groceries or what have you, um, it's a digital token sent to your phone. There's no no physical card. There's no plastic. Uh, it's it's sent to you. You click a text. Uh, you've got it. Not to go and spend it. So we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing we're seeing that in uh, domestic violence charities in, yeah. in different parts of the world. So they're they're. Um, there is that opportunity in that in that market, but uh, it's a it's a feel good story because there's a there's a commercial opportunity, but there's a there's a very positive social story to it as well. Uh, yeah. Tom, uh, thanks for joining us on the program, and good luck going forward. Good on you. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for joining us for well, thanks for joining us on the show this week. And let me tell you this: in case if you like the stuff. There's a thing called the Switzer Report and we actually have some of the best uh, analysts of the market, some of the best stock market tipsters in the country who really do put out some fantastic stuff. The Switzer Report comes out on Monday and Thursday and a really big one on Saturday, which means I get up very early on Saturday morning to write it. But if you're looking for some inside information on what's going on in the stock market and how you can make some money out of the stock market, go to www.switzerreport.com.au. That report, you can get a 21 free day trial. I think you'll find it very, very interesting.